I want to jump in today and uh, thank you for allowing me to sit today, uh, just not feeling the greatest, feel like. Sometimes I think after, you ever notice whenever God wants to do something wonderful in your life, or maybe there's a breakthrough coming in your life, Satan likes to come and try to tear down every possible thing that God wants to do. And uh, I was laying in my bed this morning, full transparency, thank you for all of you watching online as well. And uh, I was laying in my bed this morning, up all night, not feeling well. I did take a COVID test. I was negative, so don't panic. But uh, but uh, was up all night, didn't feel well. It was 8.30, texted staff and leadership and said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to preach today. I might need to play a video. But by the grace of God, I lay down in my closet and I said, Lord, if you want me to preach this word, you're going to have to give me the strength to do it. And as we're singing the song, See You Move, there's a line that said, I'll remember your faithfulness. And in 14 years of ministry, I've never not preached a word that God gave me. Even in moments where I felt tired, exhausted, sick, I was running off stage and just didn't feel good. The Lord still got me through. And as I was sitting backstage and I heard the song, See You Move, I'll remember your faithfulness. I just told the Lord, Lord, I'll remember your faithfulness. That every time you gave me a word to preach, you've given me the strength to get through it. And I believe that God has a word for you today, and he wants to speak to you today. And so I'm here as a vessel of him, and nothing more than just that God would use me in some way, shape, or form to say something to you today. And if he speaks to you today, the best thing you can do is respond to him. Don't respond to me. Your response on a connection card, your response by moving forward, your response by raising a hand is not a response to me, it's a response to him. I believe that God has a word for you today. So if you have your Bibles or your phone or you just want to enjoy the screens, Galatians chapter 5. We've been in a series called Freedom. I think God wants to free you today. He wants me to be free and he wants you to be free. And for all of us, that can mean some things that are different. But that there's this desire in the Lord for you that he wants you to be free. This uh, series is based off of several verses, and one of those verses is Galatians 5.1. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Did you know there will be things in your life where you will, um, you'll be tempted after you're freed, justified with the Lord, but there will be a constant pulling in your life as a Christ follower to unfree you, to to bring you back into slavery. I'm going to read the text again because I want this word to be, I want the word to be planted in your heart today. So I want you to hear this once again. Make sure that you stay free. Meaning that you can experience freedom in one season and then bondage in another season. Still being justified by faith. Still being saved by Christ. In other words, being what we would call a modern day Christian, but living in slavery. He says, my hope for you is you'd stay free. And don't get tied up, again, in slavery to the law. So it's for freedom that Jesus gave his life. So Jesus followers are freed followers. Those who follow Jesus live in freedom from the law. And that's the whole book of Galatians, and I hope that you've been reading it in this series. The whole book of Galatians is about this idea of freedom, and you're free from the law. That the law doesn't justify you. Your behavior doesn't get you there. It is Christ alone and nothing more. And the concern from the religious leaders, if you remember me teaching this and saying this to you, that the concern was, well, if you tell somebody they're saved by grace alone, and you don't need the law, that people are just going to run wild and do whatever they want to do. That was the whole tension. Well, if you tell somebody you're saved by grace, go live your life, do whatever you want to do. People are going to have a license to sin. Do you remember the word license? I talked about license a few weeks ago. Having a license to sin. That Christ died for you on a cross and so you can have a license to do whatever you want. And of course, Paul says, no, that's not the case. And so Paul is going to be teaching this church In chapter 5, verses 16 through 25, and we'll keep reading maybe even to chapter 6 a little bit, about what happens when you become a follower of Christ. Remember, his whole letter is intended to free them from trying to obey the law and obtain salvation through it. Paul wants to remind them of their freedom from sin. 
just because of what Christ did on a cross. And so Paul says the whole secret here to not falling back into slavery is not the law. He actually says it's the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be the thing that allows you and helps you to no longer live in slavery any longer. And he pushes on this idea about why we need the Spirit. The Spirit is what keeps us from doing what our sinful nature craves. Look at verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Remember, the argument is, if you let people just live by grace, they're going to go back into their sin. Because that's what they're going to do. They're going to license to sin. They're just going to sin all the time. They're not going to care. They're going to be like, I'm saved by grace. I can do whatever I want. Jesus died for me. Who cares? You know? And they're going to keep living in sin. But Paul says, no, 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 no. Not the real followers. See, the ones who are really following Jesus, the ones who are really filled with his spirit, will not live that way. They're going to live a different way. And this is the distinction. The distinction is those who live to please the spirit versus those who live to please themselves. So Paul is intending to be free. He says, I don't want you to live this way. So here in verse 16, Paul is addressing the argument, if I am free from the law, what is going to keep me from just having a license to sin? To which Paul says, that's why we have the spirit. The spirit is what's going to help us and keep us from wanting and craving these desires of sin. It's going to be the spirit. Then he explains this tug-of-war match between the flesh and the spirit. It says in verse 17, the sinful nature, which we all have a sinful nature, wants to do evil. Do any of you ever think about doing evil? You never think about doing any evil. Never. You know, in five years been leading this church and I have made it very abundantly clear I like participation in church. So let me ask the question one more time. Do you ever think about doing evil? Can you raise your hand? Every single one of you. Children, moms, dads, grandparents. Yes, even you who cook beautiful cookies and you bake and you love your grandchildren, but you too. Have you ever done evil? How come the back right two rows have not done evil? <laughs> have you ever done evil? Okay. <laughs> he shouted out, oh yeah, for those. Yeah. So, we've all done evil. Since the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So, your natural desires are going to be contrary to the Spirit. These two forces. It's interesting that he uses these forces. Imagine two magnets coming together, this force. Each has a force. Each has a degree of power. And they're going to be in conflict, he says. They're constantly fighting each other. This is way bigger than a devil and an angel on your shoulder. That's cartoon. Paul says this is real life. There's these two forces, and they're constantly fighting. And the reason that they're fighting, he says, is for one reason. Look at the verse. So that you are not free. It's a fight for your freedom. These two forces are constantly fighting for your freedom. To carry out good intentions, by the way, which I think is a mediocre translation, but good intentions, can we say it this way, to carry out the will of God in your life. To carry out what this spirit craves. To, to carry out what the spirit is wanting. So you have the spirit and you have the flesh. And the two are fighting against one another. And one desires the things of God. One desires the things not of God. 
And these two things are constantly at battle, and the purpose is freedom. So that you don't fulfill the things that God wants for your life. And this is a war, this is a battle that you're going to be facing the rest of your life. And he's talking to Jesus followers. It says it's for your freedom. The fight for your freedom. Freedom from doing what your sinful nature craves. So I ordered a big tug-of-war rope to make this illustration really cool. But Amazon didn't deliver. Yeah, no. It's no diss to Amazon, but they didn't deliver it in time. So I got a little rope. So let's just talk about this practically. Have you ever in your life went into the pantry, and I've talked about food often, and thought, I really want that thing. Okay, for all my cookie lovers. Anybody, man, cookies, man. Brownies, and come on. Have you ever been tempted in front of your refrigerator or pantry? Raise your hand if this has ever happened to you. You're in a drive-through line, and you're like, I see the kale crunch, but I really want the fried chicken, man. Chick-fil-A. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever lost the battle? You've never lost the battle. No, strong as an arrow. Amen. You need to be preaching this sermon. Yeah, why she looks so good. Oh, man. So what he says is, see, in that moment, Paul says it's spiritual. In that moment, you've got opposing forces. One is saying, make the wise choice. And one is saying, you deserve it. And it's like this constant tension. Does anybody live here in front of their pantry? Yeah. Or at a restaurant. It's here. Okay. So that's an easy one. What about, what about uh, jealousy? You find yourself in a tension where you're, you're jealous of something. You know you shouldn't be. You know you shouldn't be, but you are. But you know you shouldn't be. And then you, you battle this jealousy. So these two things are constantly, on one end you've got the spirit, and the other end you've got the flesh. And they're in constant conflict all the time, every day. Does anybody experience this in their life? You, do you live here? Do you, do you, like Paul's not writing something that's like, eh, kind of. No, like that's a reality that everyone faces. You're in this tension. And he's just bringing awareness to the tension. And the whole reason these two things are in conflict is for your freedom. Because the tendency for you and the tendency for me is to do what the nature craves, the sinful nature of the flesh. That's what we want to do. I've talked about speeding before. I speed. I know. I'm trying not to. I read a book the other day about not being in a hurry, and me and Carissa committed on vacation that we were not going to speed anymore. So Carissa gets in the car, and she starts to drive, and she's driving the speed limit. And I, first thing I said, can you pick up the pace a little? on. I'm not kidding. We landed the plane. We had an agreement. We were going to drive the speed limit. This has just happened like five days ago. We get off the plane. We get in the car. She starts to drive. She's driving the speed limit. She says, we made a commitment. Like, pull over. <laughs> and she pulled over and I sped all the way home. <laughs> I was tired. Man. <laughs> the struggle. Israel, yeah. It's crazy. So obedience to the law 
was about trying to obtain favor from God and victory over sin. That's what the whole thing. They, they're just trying to obtain victory. To, they're saying, I'm going to try to obtain victory over the flesh by my obedience to the law. I'm just going to win every battle. To which, of course, they realized, I can't. And this is Paul's whole point. So the only way you're going to ever try to do what the Spirit says is got to have the Spirit inside of you. He's like, got to let the Spirit guide your life. Got to be filled with the Spirit, which is, by the way, the title of the message, Free to be Filled. That's the title, Free to be Filled. If you try to obey the law, eventually you'll find out you can't. Therefore, we allow Christ to defeat the sin for us. And because our sinful nature pulled towards sin, we naturally pulled in the direction of sin. I wrote this down. Don't be surprised when you're tempted to sin. You will be tempted to sin. Being pulled towards sin is not a license to sin. And that's what many people, I think, think. Well, if I'm pulled in the direction of sin, then somehow God must have okayed it. No. It's the fight for your freedom the rest of your life. So you'll be tempted to sin the rest of your life. You'll be tempted to be separated from God the rest of your life because sin ultimately separates you from God. It's not just like a bunch of disobedient things, like behavioral things, although there's behaviors in sin. But the purpose of sin is to ultimately rob you of your freedom. So real freedom would be, I don't, I have power over the cookie in the pantry. And I don't give in temptation to that. Woo! Have you ever won and felt free? I did it. Only to the next day. So it's not just about food, right? It's about jealousy, unforgiveness. Oh, Lord. You ever, I know I should forgive you, but not right now. You ever said it to your spouse? Amen. Everybody behind you raised their hand too. Just kidding. They didn't. You're the only one that struggles with that. So, exactly. This is another sin. So, forgiveness. I know I need to forgive, and I should forgive. But what they said to me, what, I deserve time for it. And yet the pace to what Jesus forgives, the Spirit forgives, is as long as it takes you to ask. Right? Like, how do, you, how do you live that way? So go on and on and on about all kinds of things here. Trust, faith, man, so many things. And this tension. Again, if you want to know if you need freedom from sin, just trying not to sin ever again. If you're sitting here today, you're watching online, and you want to know if you have an issue of sin, here's my challenge. Just go the rest of your life, starting today, make a commitment to not sin ever again. You will fail. And yet, Paul's saying, that's my whole point. And I want you to be freed from that. And that's what Jesus did on the cross for you. He took your sin and he put it to the cross so it's the debt is paid and you're freed from sin. But then how do I live today? Oh, I know the secret. Let the Spirit fill your life. You've got to let the Spirit guide your life. That's his whole point. So Paul, just to help people understand what sin is, he gives a couple examples. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this is verse 19, here's some results of the sinful nature. This is how you know whether or not you're a sinner. Sexual morality. Oh, Lord. Jesus, help me. Okay. So let's take these one at a time. Because I knew that if I just read these to you, 
I would just read them through and be like, yeah, 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 sin, I know. Well, let's talk about them. The NIV translation puts in sexual immorality. Okay. So I did all these word studies of each of these words. And I Google searched lots of different information on this text. I promise you, for most of you, unless you're a truly biblical scholar and you wrote this thing called the NIV, you haven't done as much study on this as I, maybe the same degree, but not more than me. So, in my searching, I found all kinds of responses from people. Did you know when you go to Google, it doesn't always give you the right answer? I just want you to know. Because, yeah, this is sucking. Have you ever found the wrong answer on Google? Yeah. No, Google's always right. So, you can say anything you want to on the internet, but that doesn't make it true. True. Have you ever had somebody say something on the internet and you thought, well, that's not true? So, I tried to dig into as much truth as I could, and this is from that vantage point that I teach this to you. Sexual morality, Greek word pornionia. And I watched a whole TED talk about a guy who said, this is what it means. And I watched another guy talk on something, it meant something completely different. Paul used this word, ready? Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. A little bit of a truth, a little bit of a lie. Satan's whole play when it comes to the list of these sins and more, because this list is not exhaustive. You notice the last line. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. I warn you, as I did before. He says, and, and the like. You see that? And envy and drunkenness, orgies, and the like. In other words, some translations say, this is not an exhaustive list. I'm just giving you the, the kind of key ones, maybe, that are happening in our world today. Satan's whole play is to get you to question the truth. So when you search to determine whether or not this is sin or not, because you've all done that. This is sin. And then you searched for it. We will naturally do whatever we can and find whatever that will satisfy the sinful nature. Because if we can find something to defend the sinful nature, we've won. Have you ever tried to justify your sin? Come on. Yeah. Of course we do. Humans always want to push the boundaries. Have you noticed that about us? That's why we all go 10 over. You know, some more, some less, but right? Like we all know that. 55, 65. Yellow, go a little faster. These are just some of those little things. Not good for me. It's the weekend. It's Tuesday. <laughs> Amen. He said it's Tuesday for those watching online. Yeah, exactly. It's Tuesday. Staff day, you know? So, I want you to hear this. For the rest of your life as a Christian... This is going to happen. This is what Paul's addressing. There will be the tug-of-war match. And you will constantly want to justify your sin. There will be a tension there. And you will be able to find whatever you want, by the way. Because we have this thing called the internet. And you can find answers about everything to support everything. And Satan's whole play is to get you to question truth. Because if you can sit in front of a screen or in front of a phone and say, well, what's truth? Satan has one. To which he did to Adam and Eve. It's the great deceiver. Did God really say you can't eat from this tree? Are you sure? Deception. And deception, by the way, is not always easy to pick out. It's, it's like mucky waters. So Paul paints a clear picture. 
And he says, sexual morality, which is Greek word pornonia, which in the context of the day certainly meant sex outside of marriage. In all contexts. And let me be a little honest. If you have children here, just close their ears. Okay, here we go. Sex with animals. That's, I mean, that's a piece of this. Sex outside of marriage. Sex in ways that God did not originally design it. Sex outside of marriage, to which God says, marriage is between a man and a woman. Wait! You can't say that! Why? Because it doesn't crave your sinful nature. I know. It's tension. I'm aware. There's tension there. When will there not be tension between righteousness and humanity? There always has been. If you don't think these sins were around in Paul's day, you're sadly mistaken. Just go look at Greek culture. You think the high schools are bad. You think colleges are distorted. I mean, just go look at Greek culture. Messed up. His point is, sexual morality. What's immorals, by the way? Why do we use the English word immorality? Because it's immoral. Anything that goes against God's standard. It's a big umbrella. That's where we get the word porn from. And anything encompassing that. I know, there's tension. For some people in this room, when I said the marriage thing, ah! I know. Paul said that was going to happen. And you could pull on one side of the rope, and I'll pull on the other, and Paul said, that's exactly what's going to happen. Let's go down the list and see if I haven't got you to pull the other side of the rope yet. Impurity! What? I mean, I got to be like, perfect? No. Impurity is an idea of uncleanliness. Well, in the law, there's this idea of cleanliness and cleanliness and perfection without law. And that's it. You can get a whole bunch. But if you notice the first three, sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, are all categorized together. That's why the two are joined by a conjunction of and. So the first three that he mentions are sexual. That's, that's true. No one would debate that, no matter what side you fall. The, the three are sexual. So here's what he's saying. Humans are going to struggle when it comes to God and sex. And they're going to want to give in to the sinful nature. Because man, you should see her. We're about to get married. Well, we've been together a couple years. Well, I got a ring. I mean, just think about all the justification of the sin. Well, I can watch that. I'm not going to be a bad dad just because I get on the computer and watch porn. Did it just get real in the room? Humans, you will struggle with the tension of sexual morality the rest of your life. That's what Paul says. And there will be a great divide and attention in humans over this issue. Is there still one today? Of course. And there will be one in a thousand years if God has not come back yet. I'm just telling you a fact. The tension is there. And he says you have an option in this list. You will live to please the Spirit or you will live to please the flesh. Then it goes on to more list for all those people who don't have sexual issues. Like, nah, I'm good with there. Okay, idolatry. Idolatry and witchcraft. Idolatry, by the way, in this context, isn't just worshiping false gods, although there were false gods, Greek gods, right? But do you know the greatest idol that we often get caught up in worshiping? Yourself. You can become an idol to you. You know what an idol is? Replaces God. Do you know what happens when you start making the determination of what you say the Bible says? You have now put yourself in God's shoes. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what it... That, and you try to justify it, and then you take idolatry on, and then you start to become an idol to yourself, and you start to decide what's sin and what's not sin. Well, that's your sin. That's not my sin. You ever heard that statement? Yes, you're uh, the Holy Spirit hadn't told me that yet. 
ever heard that? I've heard that. Well, the Holy Spirit hasn't told me that. Oh. So you can get drunk, I can. I guess. I mean, he hasn't told me that. I'm just... Okay. Idolatry and witchcraft. Well, I don't do witchcraft, but some people do. They get caught up in all kinds of stuff. Sorcery and wishes. People could put a lot of stock in wishes. You know, put the coins in the fountain. I'm not saying give your kid a coin, put it in the fountain, sin. But some people could put a lot of hope in that coin. Idolatry. Because your hope has now gone from God to a coin and water. I mean, some people really do anchor in that stuff. Okay? Hatred. Now, what's interesting about this to me, have you noticed, listen, sexual morality and purity and debauchery. Well, let's talk about that because that can't possibly be these things. But we don't have to debate long about hatred. Yeah, agreed, hatred. We should love everyone. No one's debating hatred. And the only thing that separates the sexual ones from all the other ones is a comma. But it's our natural desire. It's our tension. It's the sinful nature in us. And it has been from the beginning. Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage. I mean, I did that like this morning. (laughs) You should raise your hand too. I'm telling you, man. The struggle's real. Yeah. What I want you to see is people who have sexual immoral uh, struggles, you've only got about eight words to separate you from those who are selfish. So don't try to put yourself on another end of the spectrum. It's just a comma, Paul says. And if none of these have fit you so far, selfish ambition. <laughs> Every single one of us falls into selfish ambition. What about me? A two-year-old, a one-year-old. Like, what about me? It's mine. Mine, 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 mine. Mine, 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 mine. You guys see mine? Dissensions? Factions and envy? Okay. Drunkenness. Ephesians 5, actually, if you go read Ephesians chapter 5, it has this correlation between drunk in the spirit and drunk in the... Like, like drunkenness is used as an example and it's a perfect example of what Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus about drunkenness. Because you know what? You know what happens when you're like, you know, dude, I'll have a celebration. Let's drink. I'm sad. Let's drink. What do you go to first? Paul would say, go to satisfy the spirit. Don't go satisfy the flesh. Drunkenness is a sin. Can't really be a sin. And then what I love about humans is the word buzz. We created buzz. Because buzz isn't drunk. It's like 10 miles an hour over. You know what I mean? Like a little buffer zone. How far can I go? Has anyone ever, (laughs) as a Christian, in, in the brave family, and all my friends online type it in the chat room. Have you ever thought, is buzz a sin? You know, I can, I can still, I can still function. I mean, who defines drunk? I'm not falling over. Do we do this? All the time. Because we constantly want to crave the sinful nature. Paul's whole point to these religious people in the Galatians and the church is saying, you're, you're trying to obey this law. And what you're going to find out is you can't obey this law. And you're in this tension the rest of your life. And I don't want you to live there anymore. I want you to be free. How do I, how do I get freedom? Live to please the Spirit not the flesh. Orgies. And some people are like, well, I'm good with that one. Let's go back to drunkenness for a minute. (laughs) Are we sure? (laughs) And the like. In other words, Paul says, it's not exhaustive. Dot, 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 dot. 
I could give her all day and talk about all, this is not an exhaustive list about what sins are sins. Here, here's what I know about sin. Let me just say this to you and I'll keep moving on. I was telling Chris about this. I said, you know, I want to preach on this. I was like, are you sure? I'm like, I know. I asked Jesus 15 times to please change it. He's like, no. Okay. So, here is a guarantee for all of us. And, and, and in most of us, I should say, maybe not all of us, most of us. We will always want to discover what is sin so we can push the envelope. Here's something I have found out about me, and I'm going to shift over to the word opinion. This is my opinion. This is not biblical fact. This is what I have noticed in my life. Anytime I am trying to do something or justify something that may or may not be sin, and I try to somehow convince myself that it's not, I have found out later on in my life, it is sin. I just didn't really want to go there yet. Does that make sense? It's like I, I find myself sometimes trying to, how can I say this? Um, I know it's sin. I, or I think it's sin. Or I don't know if it's sin. Here, here's how I can say it the best way. I've never had to wonder if generosity is sin. I need to preach from this for a second to help you get this. I've never thought, is it sin to be generous? Hmm. No. Right? Like, kindness could be sin. Um, love. I don't know. Isn't it interesting that there are some things, like I just said, and so many others, that you don't argue if it's sin? Here's my point. In my life, I have learned, if I'm arguing, trying to make it not sin, it's probably sin. I'm not telling you this what the Bible says. I said this, what I have learned, if I'm trying to debate, buzz, couple drinks, I mean, I don't know. It's probably sin. You know what I've never thought about? It's not a sin. Not drinking. You must drink alcohol. I've never had a debate with myself about not drinking. Because the things that please the Spirit are clear. And Paul puts them in a couple of words. We call them the fruits of the Spirit. And here's what he says next. By the way, those who practice those things, did you notice the last sentence, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't let that make you panic. Oh my gosh, I sped yesterday. I'm not going to heaven. This is not about a justification issue. This is what Paul is writing about a lifestyle issue. I just want you to know. All right, so then he goes over, go to verse... But the fruit of the Spirit, and this is interesting. Notice that the first things of the flesh are behavioral. This is character-led, by the way. Notice all the behavioral things that he just listed. And now he goes to character stuff. He says, here's how you know you got the Spirit. This is what the Spirit does. The Spirit leads you to love. Okay, let's pause. So love, love, man, accept everyone. Like, just love people. That's real love. Embrace all people, all types, it's love. Yeah, that's a misteaching, that's deception. You know what real love is? Correction. You discipline those you love. You correct those you love. In fact, later on, we don't have it up on the screen, but I'll read to you Galatians chapter 6. For Paul identifies this. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, you will obey, love your neighbors yourself, the law of Christ. You know what real love is? Helping your brothers and sisters not sin. People want to talk about love, but they don't want to talk about what love really means. Real love removes you from sin and being tempted to sin. 
when was the last time you had a brother or sister in the family or the church come up to you and try to pull you from sin? I'm here to tell you today, it is the most loving act a brother or sister in Christ can do for you. That's love. Love draws you closer to God, for God is love. That's what the cross did. That's why he gave his life, because he loves you. Drawing you close to him, not separated from him, which is what sin does. Real love accepts you, yes, but doesn't embrace your poor decision making and live with it and tolerate it and say, that's okay. I love my children, therefore I teach my children and train my children in the way they should go so they will not depart one day in the ways of God. Amen? I love my children, so I let them do whatever they want. Really? That's great advice. You don't love your children if you let them do whatever they want. Amen? I want to go play. If I let Nathan go play on 54, he would. But I love him, so I don't let him go run on 54. I wish Christians treated each other sometimes that way, out of love. When your child is about to run into the street, stop! Hey, get back here! Humbly and gently. But I, but I, but I wish more Christians, can you imagine what the church would look like? What would the church look like if more Christians really got in other Christians' lives and said, stop sinning? But we don't want to do that. We want to come, we want to sit, we want to watch, be entertained, clap our hands, sing our song. Leave me alone. That's between me and God. Since when did God create the church between you and him? Me and God. Me and God is even correct grammar. It's God and I. <laughs> I got a name. <laughs> yes, for the love of Jesus. God didn't create you. Between you. Your sin is between you and God. Listen, yes, you can. But the Bible says confess your sins to one another. Do you know the text? So it's, it's not just between you and God. God instituted other believers to come to you when you're in sin. So don't kick people away when they're trying to call you out on your sin. But they should be doing it humbly and gently and removing the plank out of their own eye first. Yes. Okay. We moving on. So Got to wrap up here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that feed the Spirit. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of the sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us be led by the Spirit in every part of our lives. My prayer for Brave is that we would be a church that is led by the Spirit. By the way, a Spirit-filled church or a Spirit-filled individual, I should say, is not a one-moment thing. It's a lifelong process because there's a tension between your flesh and your spirit and it will always be there. And the hope and the prayer for us as Christ followers is that we would give in to the spirit, that we would constantly acknowledge the battle between the two. And when the battle is facing, choose the spirit. To be filled with the spirit, we have Pentecostalized, if that's a word, and turned into a moment. I'm filled. Yeah. You can you get Christ in you when you get Christ. You get all of Christ. But, he says, you've got to please the Spirit. To let the Spirit guide your life. Here's the challenge. Here's the hope. Here's the prayer. Let the Holy Spirit guide every decision you make in your life. When you want to know if it's sin, here's the best person to ask. God. God will reveal sin because God is faithful to his word and he does not want any of his children to be separated from his arms. But people run to Google faster than they run to God because they want to justify their sin. And if I can find an answer on Google, bingo, I found it. 
and never even asked God. And the moment you do that, you slip into idolatry because now you have carved out what's truth and what's not. And now it's two sins, so you're like a double sinner. (laughs) What I'm here to tell you today is I want you to be freed. My hope for you today is you would let the Bible determine your life. You would let the Spirit of God guide you to truth. Not somebody else. His Word. And I know God. And I can tell you, God never fails. He will not fail you if you seek the truth. Those who seek the truth, find it. So if you're ever determining whether or not something is sin, here's my biggest point to you. Here's my biggest caution. Don't do it until you've heard from God about it. Don't justify it until you know the truth on it. And go to God. Go to spiritual leaders and go to oversight. But remember what Paul said. Beware of false teachers. They're all over the place. They were then, they are today. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we acknowledge the tension and we want to be freed to be filled by your spirit. We want to be led by your spirit. So today, it's just a decision that you would decide to be led by his spirit. Just led by his spirit. Uh, Not an emotional response to something, but just a decision to say, in the face of moments where my flesh is being divided and I'm deciding between this and that and I'm being in the tug-of-war match, I will ask the Spirit to help me, the great counselor, the helper to come and help me make the decision that would honor Christ, that would honor God. If you're pursuing God and you're seeking the truth of God, I know God. He will give you the answer that you search. And if it is sin, then lay it down. For the wages of sin is death. And don't be separated. Instead, choose the things of God. With everybody's eyes closed for just a minute, if you're watching online, just... You don't need to raise your hands for this, but the eyes are closed for just a minute to focus in on, just kind of just talk to Jesus. Is there sin in your life? You will be freed from. And instead, you want to be filled with the Spirit. You want to let the Spirit lead you. In the debate of the sin, in moments of sin, you want the Spirit to be the one who leads you. And now you're making a decision to say, I want the Spirit to lead me in this area of my life. If I need to forgive, Spirit lead me. If I need to let go, Spirit lead me. If I need to set that down, Spirit, lead me. If I need to not watch that, Spirit, lead me. In my fits of rage, Spirit, lead me. In my gossip, Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me. If you seek the truth, you will find it. That is the promise of Jesus. But be careful. There are false teachers always around. Deception. A little truth with a little lie. Lord, free us today. Free us. Let us be freed to be filled by your Spirit. That we would be a church, a body of believers who are free to be patient. Our natural tendency is not to be patient. Oh, Jesus, let us be patient. Our natural tendency is not to love. Our sinful nature desires hate and division and divisiveness. Our sinful nature desires to mind our own business. Lord, let us not love like that. Let us love the way you created your church to love. To pull others out of sin. Things that separate you from us. Let us love each other. But we love ourselves, God, the way that you told us to love. Help us fulfill the great command to love you, to love others. Lord, fill us with self-control. 
Oh, Jesus, how we often, every day, every minute, oftentimes, self-control gets the best of us and we just don't have it in ourselves for we need your spirit to help us in times where we lack self-control, God. And thank you making it, making it like so generic that it kind of fits in so many areas of our lives. Self-control in so many ways, but yet self-control is a, is a mark that we're filled with your spirit. So help us, Lord, when we're battling in moments of self-control and give us a spirit that will give us strength to follow you and not follow the flesh. In moments of gossip, in moments of jealousy, in moments of unkindness, let us be kind in order to satisfy your spirit. Let us choose kindness. Let us choose gentleness, Lord. Oh, Jesus, how you want a gentle church, Lord. Gentle. You, Father, are gentle with us. Help us to be gentle with one another in our homes, and our family, with our children that we parent. Oh, Jesus, let our words be gentle. For there's power in our words. The power of life and death you've taught us. Let us be gentle with our words. Our words can cut so deep. Let us be people who are free to follow the Spirit and have gentle words, kindness, self-control, love, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness. When we think about deserting our relationship with you, let us Hold on to faithfulness. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let these things guide our lives and not sin. In Jesus' name, amen.